The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Oh my goodness, this episode is jam-packed. Not only is it jam-packed with so many details about how Billy has built this business, but she's also just so honest and real about the realities of being an entrepreneur. I have to say, um, Billy's from Toronto. We have some mutual friends and I have never heard anyone even just give her an average review. <laughs> Out of everyone that that like our mutual friends, everyone just raves about her, and it's so obvious why that is. Like literally, it'll take you five minutes into listening to this episode for you to fully understand where that comes from. Yeah, Billy gets it. We are Team Billy. We are so Team Billy, and I can't even wait. Let's jump right into the conversation. Let's do it. Billy, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to hear more from you about Tribe Beauty Box, about Lash Scoop and the businesses you've started and how you've done it. Um, So yeah, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. And to get started, um, it would be great to just hear the backstory, you know, how you came up with Tribe and what what inspired you to start it. Yeah, for sure. So um like most entrepreneurs, I do have an entrepreneurial background. So both my parents are entrepreneurs. My mom is a caterer. She has her own company and my dad works in Marine and he does have his own company. Funny enough, he's actually never worked for anyone in his life, which is like super cool, super inspiring and kind of scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he pulled it off. <laughs> but um I I launched Tribe two weeks after I graduated from university. I went to U of T and um, it was, it kind of stemmed out of me not necessarily wanting to do anything as of yet. And I spoke to my mom about about it and thankfully she was really supportive. Um, And she was like, you know what, like take a couple of months, you know, work on this, see how it, it works out. And if you like it, you know, pursue it. And if you don't just get a job, like it's a job is always going to be there for you. Um, So I, I did that. I spent many, many months just doing research, you know, reading every article, reading every, um, watching every video on YouTube and I was able to launch. So I'm really thankful to have um, really supportive parents. Well, my mom was more supportive. And I think that's why it's so important to, you know, at least give your kids a chance at their dreams, you know, even if it doesn't work out whatever mm. they tried, but you never know what could come out of just giving them a couple months of, um, of, of leeway to just try something that they think that they can, they can do. Totally, totally. So if I'm putting, if I'm imagining what life looked like for you at that point, you had just finished school, you know that jumping into like a more corporate job is probably not your first choice. Did you know that Tribe was your first choice or how did the beauty subscription box come into the picture? Um, Honestly, it was like I said, really random. Um, the, well, the whole thing stemmed out of my own curiosity for beauty products. Mm-hmm. I was always the friend that my 
friends would come to asking for like advice on a product I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a beauty fanatic but I did know like really unique brands because I was that person who would walk into a random store and just pick up something just because I wanted to try it out mm-hmm. um so that um coupled with the fact that I was getting subscription boxes when I was in in call in university I was getting just you know it was like thirty dollars twenty dollars it was like a gift to myself every month so I did notice an opportunity for more unique products versus brands that I already knew, which which was what other boxes were sending me. Um, so I decided to couple that and create Tribe. And, and, you know, thankfully, there was lots of people who were looking for something like that as well. And that's why, you know, three years later, thankfully, my business is still running. Oh, it's so cool. And I think it makes a lot of sense that you were able to test out other things on the market and then identify the white space within that. Um, So I think that's really smart. And in terms of um, getting this up and running and building an audience for it, um, what did that look like? Yeah. So that was a lot of just grunt work. And um, that's, that's why I feel like these days bootstrapping is sort of like ignored because it is you know more hard work but it does still work bootstrapping still works um so the first thing i did do was reading competitor reviews because i feel like that's such a gold mine that's actually pretty ignored from by most people Mm -hmm. Um, customers love to tell you what they do not like (laughs) so Mm. it's always great to just see what people are seeing about competitors and sort of I'm looking for the common, you know, words that are reoccurring or the common complaints. And then if you are building a product that's similar to theirs, um, using that as a way to improve your service opposed, um, you know, in comparison to theirs. So that's the first thing I did. The second thing I did was um, actually building an audience through my my email list. So I use an app called Kickoff Labs. And what it essentially does, it helps you build a landing page and helps you pre-launch a product. So um, the great thing about Kickoff Labs, it, it has a gamification part to it. So after you do get a couple emails, you're able to give people the option to share your landing page and get rewarded. So my goal before I launched was 1,200 emails in a month. And, you know, with Kickoff Labs, I was able to get 2,500 emails before I launched. So wow. I let's say I only reached 500 people organically and each of them shared my landing page to five friends who did sign up. That's how I was able to get the 2,500, which is the great thing about using those kinds of programs. So I did that, but simultaneously, I was building a Facebook group, which was uh, a way for me to build a community around my industry, which is indie beauty brands and female-owned brands. And I was able to position myself as an expert in that field, you know, having Mm -hmm. who love indie beauty and female-owned brands as well as me, but they knew that, you know, like if I had a question, I could always ask Billy. She most likely would know or could research. Um, So that was really great. So when I was able to actually launch my business, I used both of those platforms that I had already built for a couple weeks. And when I did launch, I was able to hit 100 plus orders on my first day. So I always tell people, you know, take time to launch and don't just launch to crickets because you can't just like build a business in silence and then launch and expect sales. Like no one knows that you existed. No one knows that you're building this in the first place. Um, And that comes to 
to my next point of people kind of wanting to hide their ideas, I feel like it's more detrimental for you to hide your idea or build in secret rather than just like sharing. When you share, you gain way more because there are people who do want to help you. There are people who have resources that you didn't even know you needed, right? Right. And not being scared of like someone stealing your idea or whatever like that because it's just not a productive mindset. (laughs) You know, it's so funny you say that, Billy, because Emma and I are starting a podcast. Yeah, it's not the same as a um, a subscription yeah. beauty company. But even when I started telling friends that I was launching a podcast, I was starting to get connections to other podcasters or even my friend um, is hosting In Conversation, which is Shopify Plus's new podcast. And he's giving me tips and tricks. And you're so right. You can learn the hard way and it can take twice as long and be twice as difficult. Or you can kind of open yourself up and shortcut all of those learnings. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. It's like, and that's why books are also really great because, like, these authors like put all their mistakes and all their lessons in books. It's kind of right. like shortcuts to things. Wow. Okay. We have to get a little bit granular here because you make it sound like it's so easy. And I guarantee uh, in those early days, it wasn't that simple. But when you're building this list, Mm -hmm. you're getting new subscribers. What are those emails? What are the contents of that nurture campaign? And how are you getting them to stick with you? Yeah, for sure. So when you're just a brand that's starting, I think it's really important to build some sort of a personal connection with your audience. So for me, what that looked like was a flow that included, you know, the welcome um, about me, who I am, why I'm qualified to even, you know, offer this to you. And of course, like I was actually bringing them along the journey with me where I was showing them, you know, as I was building the website, I was asking them for, you know, I was putting up polls like, hey, what font do you prefer? What color do you prefer? And um, thanks to that, I was able to build brand advocacy. So those, you know, people who started with me and who knew about the brand when I first started, most of them are actually still my customers today because they feel like their first first adopters, you know? Um, So it's really important to take that time and build the brand build brand advocacy because those people are going to ride for you no matter what storms you know you're you're facing and and i've right. seen that you know i've had so many ups and downs in the business and people stood by you you know because they know your character you, they know how hard you work to build something and they do understand that things are out of your hands um and when things are great they're also the same people singing your praises and being your champion mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. so nice and as you were building this subscription business, I mean, I have an idea of what you're going to say, but I want to hear it in your own words. Yeah. Um, why did you choose subscriptions over one-time purchases? And then what was that learning curve like of launching a subscription-based business? Yeah. So I had never been in the beauty. In- well, I did. I was in the beauty industry. I like. Um, I was <laughs> never in the product side of the beauty industry before I launched Tribe Beauty Box. And um, for me, I didn't have any of the knowledge or skills to actually build a product. So it was almost easier to curate a box with other people's products where to my customers, I positioned myself as a channel for them to try new things, to explore, to discover um, new beauty products. And to the brands, I'm sort of like a marketing channel where I buy the interesting. Yeah, I buy the products from them at cost. They're not really losing any money, and I get to 
send those product those custom those products to customers that I use my money to acquire, um, and they get to try these new brands um, and these products from these brands, and hopefully they like it enough to go back to the brands or go back to my website and buy more at full price. Wow! Oh my gosh, this is clicking for me because we talk to so many people that are like launching new lines and like this just doesn't feel core to our business we're not staying in our lane I think that's so interesting that your just natural inclination to try new products led you to your superpower being this curation and I think it's so smart not to try and be all things to all people with you know your own line maybe that comes one day but you're realizing that there's an immediate need and this is the fastest way from A to B exactly and honestly I do in addition to that like cash flow and recurring revenue is the core for any business and and when even amazon does it now like amazon now has um totally subscribe and save you know like being able to just know that you're assured a certain amount month to month um is great like i see lots of businesses doing and i always advise any business like if your customers are buying a moisturizer what is the life shelf life of a moisturizer just add a subscription to it and ask mm-hmm. them if you like it that much they'll order it again um so why not just offer that as a subscription you know like i have my toilet paper as a subscription i have my moisturizer right. so i just don't forget um and I think that we're in an age where people are actually loyal th- to things now. So it's normal for them to just want this new delivery over and over. And I feel like, especially for wines, you know, it's like when you like a wine, you really like it and you mm-hmm. have it all the time. So why not just offer it as a subscription? It's like, okay, we'll deliver it to you every two weeks or every week. It's it's a really great um, addition to any business, even if you're a one-time product business. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in today's climate, you know, during COVID, people can't go out as much or aren't encouraged to getting things delivered and not having to think about it also makes a lot of sense for exactly. right now. Yep. Yep. I have a quick question. If I can just insert before we move on, um, you mentioned something in your last answer. You buy these products at cost, and then you're hoping that your customers like these products enough to go buy at full price on the actual manufacturer's shelf. Mm. Are your partner brands thinking of you as almost like a marketing channel? Yes, exactly. So we do all the work to acquire the, you know, the customers, because we do need a subscriber base to send products to, right? And that that acquisition, depending on what you're offering it as a subscription, it can be very, very niche, or it can just be all women that like beauty or all women that like any kind of wine or whatever it is that you're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you find a lot of success in um, early adoption for a brand. And actually, subscriptions are a great way for smaller brands, newer brands to launch if they have the if they have low enough costs um because you do just get to send your products to in the hands of new customers and on top of that the subscription company is covering your costs you're not losing any money right you're just opening the doors of your business to new customers who hopefully like it enough to you know come back to you and they know your brand and they buy new things from you Hmm. so smart so smart. I think every business should be a subscription business. You sold me. <laughs> but so now, fun. now I want to pivot a bit because, yeah. okay, so you started this subscription box with other brands, you created this marketing channel, and then you launched your own brand. Um, yeah. And so I just want to hear about that, about what 
drove you to start that new brand, what the differences were, uh, maybe what surprised you, yeah. anything you want to share. I'm all ears. Yeah. So, you know, beauty is it's a massive industry. It's a huge, huge world. It has so many verticals to it. And um, there's so many things that customers would always say they wish they had when they got the box. So we did two things. Um, we did add-ons, which is after once you know customers buy their box, they, they customize, pick an item in the box. We have select items that they can add onto their box for a discount. It could be up to wow. 80% off the price. So they kind of customize so their box. Um, and we're obviously increasing our average order value. But on top of that, what we did was something that almost every woman wears or at least tries to wear once and that's lashes mm -hmm. so anyone who's like a huge makeup fanatic most likely wears wears um, lashes and if you're subscribed to a beauty box you probably do really love makeup right yeah. um, so mm -hmm. just to complete that final look we launched um, lash scoop which is a monthly lash subscription so for anyone who's a content curator if you're creating videos, looks on your Instagram on a weekly basis. If you're a makeup artist, you use lashes for your customers or you're just mm -hmm. a person who wears lashes on top of all your looks or most of your looks. Lash Scoop is great for you because you get five lashes on a monthly basis and um, you get different styles every month. You get to explore what your lash style is. You can choose between shorter lashes, longer lashes, more voluminous. And on top of that, you're also getting Tri Beauty Box. Well, if you did opt in for that, um, so you do, you really do get all of your beauty fixed through us. Oh, it's so smart because, yeah, like you said, somebody is obviously interested in makeup if they're buying a box. And yes, we've all tried lashes. I've you know had <laughs> I've had mixed experiences with them. <laughs> okay, wait, Emma, can you tell your story? Because it's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, this is one time where I got lash extensions like mm -hmm. done by somebody. And I'm like, I don't have many lashes to begin with. <laughs> and she decided she was going to do volume lashes on me, which was not not what I wanted. I wanted a natural look. But she yeah. said, oh, oh no, I'll do them short. And so it'll still look natural. Yeah. And I came out of there and I just looked like I had like <laughs> an inch of black eyeliner. Like it oh was so God. thick. <laughs> and I was like, this is back when we were still in offices pre-COVID. And I was like, I can't go to the office like this. Like this yeah. is this is just <laughs> unprofessional. And so I, um, I took them all off that night with coconut oh, oil. No. I basically had no eyelashes and so then i went and bought strip lashes and started wearing those every day until my lashes grew back so oh my gosh if only you knew about lash scoop then um life would I be know. different <laughs> wouldn't have had that experience but um but yeah no i think that's so smart and it's aiming to build up your average order value which is again exactly. going to be a way healthier way to run your business because we know you know getting more out of existing customers um, saves you a lot more money than trying to continue to acquire new ones. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, completely. Okay. So I want to do a little bit of like a compare contrast. Mm. Um, it's obviously very different launching, you know, a curated box versus your own product line. What types of things were totally new launching Lash Scoop? And then what types of learnings were you able to reapply after you had gone through it once with Tribe already? Yeah, so um, great question. With Lash Scoop, it's literally just one product. You know, it's mm -hmm. like there's no, 
it's not that there's no convincing, but it's like, if you don't like lashes, you don't like lashes. But with Try, you know, you get an eyeshadow palette, you get a lipstick, you get a blush, you get brushes, you know. So there's more to offer and there's more of a wide net to cast. Um, so there was that. And then um, obviously I wasn't manufacturing the products. I wasn't designing the product. So I had to really learn like some computer modeling around designing lashes because we do design our own lashes. Like I design every single lash that's in Lash Scoop. We have a model, a computer that I use and you put your lengths. And then if you want it like crisscross, if you want them wispy, or if you want them short, if you want them sparse, like that's how we that we do them. And then also density. So I had to learn all of that. Right. And the logistical part of it, uh, with Tribe, I wasn't manufacturing these products. I wasn't shipping them from overseas. Maximum, I was getting them from the US. And or the farthest we've gotten products from Tribe for is from the UK. And for the most part, you know, brands will handle the logistics of like shipping the products to us with glass scoop i'm you know shipping these products myself figuring out freight forwarders figuring out customs and things like that so there was a bit of a learning curve there and um so yeah the marketing of it the um the logistical part and obviously just learning the designing but for the most part you know lash scoop is a lower ticket item it does sell by itself and it's a product that customers do um, usually want um, but sometimes we've had times where we're like oh my god should we reduce this to like just three lashes because do, do, do people really need five lashes oh, but interesting um, instead of doing that we decided to offer people the option to increase their frequency so instead of getting five lashes every month you can choose to get it every two months or every three months so we just increase the frequency of when we auto bill you at, on the back end um so that's that those are kind of the kinds of things that we've had to adapt oh my gosh and you're collecting all this data based on just naturally which ones are more popular that tells you okay well if we have lashes now and we launch you know a moisturizer later and whatever other products um you can kind of take these learnings and help that inform where you take tribe and you know your ventures next yep exactly so smart Oh, I love it. Um, one thing that we noticed when we were doing a little bit of research on Tribe um, is you're pretty good about talking about your affiliate program. Can we deep dive into this a little bit? I feel like it's something that people gloss over and then it's not until you're actually building an affiliate program that you realize how much goes into it. So when you were um, maybe putting all of it together, what was that process like and how has it evolved since then? Yeah, so the affiliate program, funny enough, it's actually been um, kind of rocky. So when we started, we were using an app. And then, you know, just like any business, you hear that another one's great. So you transition, you know, Mm -hmm. all your data to the next one. And then boom, it just didn't work for us. So we did. So Mm -hmm. one thing I always say is like, actually test Well, we did test it, you know, we watched the demo and things like that. But we didn't do the process of putting in like actual multiple orders and then it broke after we moved all our customers. So we moved back and, you know, lost some data. Some customers were still posting YouTube videos, you know, had their same links up there, but the links were broken. So God knows how many missed orders we had from just that. So I always tell people like before you do adopt something that's as permanent as an affiliate program, like really, really do your research. Um, and uh, also sort of giving your customers an affiliate 
program that brings them back to your website. So instead of, so what we do for influencers is that we give them a payout per order cart that they, mm-hmm. they sent us. So if, you know, they, they brought us a hundred dollar sale, they get a, a different amount paid out to them than if they got us like a $12 sale. Oh, interesting. So um, we don't want to give our customers cash because the whole point is to save our cash <laughs> and yeah. keep them on the platform. So we adopted a different program with um, a company called Referral Candy for our customers that actually helped customers get points. And the points, when they led up to a certain amount, would give them like free shipping or would give them a free box or like, you know, 25% off their box, something like that, but in different mm. Um, and also if you unsubscribe you lose all your points so that does help retention as well retention is really important in our industry Um, you know it's like you can acquire millions of customers but if none of them are staying then you have no business right girl candy for the customer side and then for the influ- for the influencer side we use a really great program that i absolutely love called voila it's very very easy um it just pays that you connect your paypal account and they connect their paypal account i mean like everyone in the world has paypal <laughs> right and it just pays them out automatically it also tracks like all the, it tracks leads it tracks orders it tracks uh your total number of reach um it also does do fraud prevention so sometimes influencers yeah sometimes influencers try to be smart and then they like use their code for their own orders under a different name Mm. but ip addresses so we're not paying for that unearned um so it's great that is great and when you're building up this network of affiliates um how are you finding people or are they finding you what does that look like yeah so for our customers what we do is that we just put the uh we just put like um earn a free box something around that um under our service responder um like the the responder at the bottom of the of the email so whenever they read our emails they always see and they sign up so we do have do have a good sign up rate for that we also send it um the a link to that in our tracking email tracking emails has literally like a 99% open rate right <laughs> and opens their tracking emails right so we add the link for customers to join our affiliate program in that email first for influencers um we had started it very selective so we would only add people that we reached out to but then we did notice that we had customers who on top of being our customers they also did to videos and reviews and things like that on youtube they spent time recording editing videos so we wanted to make sure that they were compensated just as other influencers so we decided to open it to anyone and that's in now in our faq so if you do any video unboxings or reviews um you can sign up for that and earn cash like and grow with us so that's how we structured it I'm noticing this theme, Billy, where you bring potential customers and you somehow make them feel like they're part of Tribe's growth trajectory. Absolutely. Like I don't quite know how to put my finger on it, but even from like asking your mailing list what fonts they want and like listening to your customers, what types of products they're interested in, you're just, you're doing such a good job creating a family. Oh, thank you. And you know, I, I think that people do love it when it seems like not it seems that we do I really do care about my customers but some brands you know it smokes and mirrors when Mm -hmm. you care about your customers you know like we what I like to do is actually sending a survey at the end of 
every box shipment and having my customers actually rate the products that they received. So obviously it's no hard feelings. We ask them rate it on a each product on a scale of one to five. Um, we ask them what they could have improved, what they would have improved in the box if they had any issues that are unsolved. Because sometimes, you know, like no one has a hundred percent customer satisfaction rate. Like sometimes we miss things, sometimes we mess up. And mm-hmm. it's important to know um, where you messed up to be able to sort of like capture those gaping holes and make sure you're fixing them before it's too late. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing customer who feels like hey i complained about this but they still didn't do anything they just don't care um i would rather a customer you know complain and it hurts my feelings a little bit and we you know we fix it <laughs> than for a customer to have a complaint and just internalize that and just decide right. to never patronize us again right. um, so that and also that goes a long way with retention as well because it's like if you ask customers what they think about the box and how they improve it if they do notice that you are you know, taking that into consideration or at least addressing that, then they will stay longer to see if you incorporate those changes. And if you do, then that gives them even more reason to stay subscribed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think like the essence of what I'm getting from everything you're saying is it's all in the details. It's paying it attention is. to every yeah. step of the customer journey and figuring out how you can inject things that are going to bring value to them and then also give you good insight as you continue to build and then you iterate. Yep. Yeah, I think it's so much, you know, you launch it and then you figure out what works and you keep tweaking it as you go. And that that sounds like what you've been doing. And it sounds like it's been working out really well. Well, fingers crossed. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like, I'm just sitting here thinking about how many moving parts this business is. And like Emma and I tend to sway towards like marketing and sales channels, Mm -hmm. but I can't even imagine the logistics, the supply chain, the shipping, like you said, the taxes, like getting so many things set up. Who do you have helping you or how do you manage all of this? Yeah, it honestly is a lot. I have um, a customer service um person who handles all my customer service so up until like literally even like a month or two ago I used to always like check into customer service but I've honestly been doing that um because it's just like I'm at a point where there's so many more productive things I could be doing with my time including resting um like spending hours in customer service emails so I receive customer service reports on a high level but I don't think that there's any need for me to do the granular anymore just stage where I'm at right so there's that I also have someone who does like admin work so say we need to do bulk updates um say we need to do um our outreach so now what we're doing like at this whole month is reaching out to new brands new um new companies that we haven't worked with and she's doing all of that and i do the follow-up so she does the first outreach she does oh, interesting she does the second um setting up of the, the the call and then i get on the call so i'm not waiting for a response i'm not wow. waiting, i'm not doing the follow-up and that saves me hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. Automating things. I spent like three months in the summer just literally cleaning house. Like, I had so many things that were messed up. Like, it's so crazy when you actually take a step back to look to see if every single one of your systems are working to notice how many things are broken. Like, I literally would find like links or codes in our email flows that were disabled. And I was like, oh my God, like, how long has this been disabled for? You know, but when you're so overwhelmed and you're doing everything, you don't, you don't take the time to notice that right so 
for next mm-hmm. year, I want to get someone who's solely working on email marketing. So they'll be doing just email promotions, setting, we'll talk about what promos we're going to do. They'll do the designing, the tracking, all of that. While I just keep focusing on the high level stuff and the stuff that I enjoy doing, which is curating the box, right. um, content creation, and obviously sales, because there's no one else who's going to do sales, at least right now, except for me. So that's all I need to focus on. I can't do customer service also checking out if our ads are performing well i can't right. do influencer marketing also checking if you know tra- if all products arrive in the warehouse it's just so many moving parts and like i'll admit it like i'm burnt out very often and that's not a good thing you know that's something no. i mm-hmm. want to next year um because you get to a point where sometimes you do resent your business and i think that some people don't don't talk about that sometimes you really do hate your business and it's like this is taking so much from me and should mm-hmm. it this much but you should enjoy the business to to an extent yeah absolutely and it's hard when it at the end of the day it all falls on you right and yes you have this independence because it's your own thing but it's also a double-edged sword because it all comes back to you yeah and I always check in with like everyone who works with me just to make sure that they're okay because the the one thing you don't want to do is like not check in with like your 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 team and then they just like quit on you cold turkey especially now you know it's like when you can you know like give bonuses not for them to stay you know to stay with you but just because you appreciate them you know like i asked my customer service girl what dates she wanted to take off for christmas and she's like oh i'll take off you know christmas boxing day but um, i'm still gonna work an hour each day just to make sure that email don't overflow that's someone who's invested and who's not like oh i'm just gonna take five days off like and not you know obviously i don't want her to work and that's why i asked her for days that she went off but she still willingly wants to work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean kelsey and i i think have both experienced burnout in our lives too and i want to dig into that a little bit like what what does that experience feel like for you? How do you know when you're burning out and how do you help pull yourself out of that? Yeah, I think that um, when I burn out is when I get like, I've had times and it happens almost like, it's embarrassing to say it happens almost like every month where I'm like crippled that I can't even like open my email or like open mm-hmm. my oh big Instagram because I'm like, I don't know what's behind there. I'm not ready to deal with that. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. Yeah, that's burnout is like when you're so crippled by like fear of fixing things, you know, because as as the owner of a business, like it's not glamorous. Literally 80% of my job is fixing things all the time. Yeah. Fixing things that are broken. <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, you know, strategizing and innovating. But um, that's burnout. And sometimes it's actually hating your business. Like I've had time where I'm just like, I hate this. Like, do I even have a passion for this? Do I really like this? And when you start doubting the reason why you started something when you clearly had an interest for it, then you're burned out. It's it's you can definitely evolve. Like who I was when I started tribe at 22 is not who I am today at 25, but um I still wear makeup. I still love doing my makeup and listening to music and like just feeling good because you know when you look good you feel good Mm -hmm. how can I now say that I absolutely hate that when no it's just that I'm tired so that's why I took those three months in the summer because I'm like this can't happen past this year I took those three months I did everything when I tell you everything like I redid our email flows 
I re um, I redesigned the entire website. I fixed everything that seemed messy, things that were just causing problems. Sometimes you just push problems to the side because you're like, oh yeah, it's not a big problem right now, but it is a snowball effect. And then you don't want that snowball falling on you and just crushing you, right? So um, taking time to just clean things up. I think that not enough people do that. People are always just focused on numbers and, and, and goals. And it's like sometimes you just need a month of maybe not hitting those numbers, but that month you're cleaning up your entire back end. You're cleaning yeah. up your strategy. You're cleaning up your flows. You're cleaning up your messaging. Um, and I know that like now three years in, I don't want to talk to my customers the same way I talked to them when I first started because we're still doing that. I want my customers have evolved. I have evolved and I want a new messaging and a new branding that, that matches that. Right. So that Mm -hmm. time to build. Can we pause there? Cause I think the evolution, like three years is amazing. You're, you've done so much in such a short amount of time, but what, what are the main things that have changed with the business and with you as a founder? Yeah. Um, well with me, I think that my business only evolves when I evolve as a person. So when I was noticing some periods of st- stagnancy is actually when I wasn't doing any learning. Um, so now what I do is I, I learn almost every single day, but my Sundays are literally dedicated to learning. So all those emails of like webinars, all those emails with like just newsletters, uh, news updates, industry insights, things like that. I read all of those on Sundays. And I've noticed that when I'm incorporating those things into my business, it is evolving. There was a time where I was so buried head deep in just running day to day that I had, I had no insights of what was new. I had no insights of what trends were. So my business was stacked. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And secondly, like you know, when I started, I didn't have the connections that I had. I didn't have, you know, the cash flow that I have. Now that I have, mm-hmm. I'm able to experiment with more things. I'm able to say, okay, this month we're going to put $3,000 in ads and Google ads. And if that doesn't work, then like, okay, like that's that. And that is amazing growth from like starting with $300 where I was nitpicking every dollar and now it's like we're able to just test things um so now i'm learning that like it's fast it's better to fail fast so i'd Mm -hmm. rather put some budget into just failing just trying things if it doesn't work it's like okay cool that was just like money to burn just to see if it'll work and if it does work then great you can make all that money back so Mm -hmm. um when i started i think i was very much in a mindset of Contraction isn't a word, but a mindset of um, hogging every dime and hogging every mm. that I made. And now I'm seeing our cash flow, funny enough, like as an actual flow. I'm in a world of recurring, you know, revenue. It's like it's going to come back, thankfully. So testing new things and just letting our funds go out there, trying new things and bringing them back and seeing, okay, what worked, what didn't work. Um, of course, this comes from a place of privilege, I will say that, but you know, that is the point of a business, like to make profit. And mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're running a business and you've been at it for years and you happen to make profit, like I, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's like, that's more of like a hobby. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, exactly. Exactly. You want to, you want to have a bottom line that's healthy and you also yeah. want to build a business that 
is relevant. And I think it's, yeah. you know, what you're saying, you're intentionally not keeping your blinders on. You're intentionally taking that time to really understand your industry and ensuring you're infusing that so you don't get caught up in just the day-to-day. Exactly. And honestly, also just being like unapologetically like capitalist. Like I used to have time and this is something that my mentor literally told me. He was like, I, I used to see like 800% return on investment when we would send text message marketing. But I was so scared that I was bothering people by my tech for like six <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I didn't send a single text message. And my mentor is like, what is wrong with you? Like this is working. If they don't want to get the text, they unsubscribe. Like you're running mm-hmm. yeah. You're not their friend. You're not their mom. Who cares if you're bothering them? That's why you you have an opt out button, you know? So I think that sometimes people are scared to make money. That's just the truth. Like, you know, I don't see that problem with my male friends. They do whatever they want. They have the audacity. I see that with me all the time. Like, oh my God, like, I don't want to bother them. Am I sending too many texts? Okay, I'm only going to send like two texts a month. Mm -hmm. Two texts a month. If my friend texts text me twice a month, I'm probably going to forget that we had a conversation. So you need to be more in front of your customers. Like I have, Fashion Nova email, emails me like five times a day. Oh my I, gosh. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I still have not subscribed. So <laughs> why not do it too? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just coming back to not being afraid to take up space. Yeah. And it's hard. It's so yeah. hard. I think that's been something for us too as we're launching this. We're like oh, like we're kind of scared to ask our friends to rate and review. Like, are we going to be annoying? And oh, it's yeah. like, no, we're putting this thing out there. You have to you have to bet on yourself, but it's hard. You do. You really do. Well, speaking of betting on yourself, I am so curious because somehow you've made it through 2020 and you've done such a tremendous job. What does 2021 have in store? Honestly, like I'll be very, very honest with you and I'll tell you that <laughs> I have, I've started thinking about it, but I haven't made any concrete plans. Like, I want to be more creative in 2021. Like through my boxes, I want to have more experiences. Like I want like Mm -hmm. a box that only has K-beauty. I want a box that only has cruelty-free vegan products. I want a box that only has, I don't know, let's say like Italian brands, just uh, an experience that every box feels like something different. And I also want to do more influencer collaborations. Like we do really well with our with our collabs. Um, I truly, truly believe in the power of collaboration and partnership. So we want to do more of that. I wouldn't even mind like curating a box with another box, just something fun, something limited edition. Um, I've thought about that as well. And I'm also, I know it's kind of late, but I'm debating um, actually increasing the price of the box just by a couple dollars, like four or five mm-hmm. to offer like twice the size of the box um, because like we're so restricted with weight and shipping is so expensive to customers. If we were able to just, you know, cover a couple more dollars through the customer, we'll be able to offer them way more bigger items, a bigger box and things like that. So I'm actually taking two weeks off um, from the 23rd going to Vancouver, I have one week where I'm just going to be thinking um, and seeing what I need to do. You know, I don't have a board of directors. I don't have any of that. So I don't have to make decisions in September or in June. Um, You know, I'm doing a day-to-day and I'm going to, you know, talk to a couple mentors, see what they think. It's never too late. You know, time is just, time is fictional. It's not a real thing. And, you know, who will give will give people the option to stay at 35 bucks if they want to move to $40, $42. Absolutely, you get more things. And um, yeah, I'm not too worried about that anymore. 
I mean, in true Billy fashion, you'll launch it. You'll test the appetite for it. You'll see if it sticks. Like, I'm not worried about you at all. And I'm so pleased that you're taking some time to decompress. And I hope that you have, even in that week that you're just going to think, I hope you're totally checking out and getting a little bit of me time because it doesn't sound like you've had that for three years. <laughs> and it's time. Yeah, it's 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 getting to a breaking point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy, we are so over time, but this has just been such a fun conversation and you're such an interesting founder. Like you know every nook and cranny of your business and it just comes through so much when you can so eloquently speak to every question we threw at you. This was mm-hmm. a very fun conversation for it me. It was. Yeah. I, I loved it. I wish that people listened to podcasts for like two hours because I would totally talk for like two hours. <laughs> you know what we'll have to do is we'll just have to do a part two. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and this was great. Really great questions. Thank you so much for having me. You, you guys are amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much for speaking so authentically as well and just having the willingness to be so open and share all sides of you and your business. We really appreciate it. And we know our audience will too. Awesome. I'm excited. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. Have a great evening. Bye. Emma, that was so much fun. Billy is 10 out of 10. Yeah. Did we say it was jam-packed or did we say it was jam-packed? <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I, we made a joke about it while we were chatting, but I feel like that could have been a three-hour episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to dig into so much because I think my favorite thing about it was that the attention to detail of the customer experience and always iterating that. And I think if you're paying attention to that and all the touch points with your customer, you're going to be successful. I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. And also just like real, right? Like you're hearing how the business has evolved and how there's things that just aren't fun anymore. And she feels like she's fixing the business as opposed to this like sexy dramatized version of entrepreneurship that we hear so much about. Like this to me was such an accurate representation of what building a business really looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing. It's so refreshing yeah. and just fun to listen to. Well, if you liked this, you guys, we want more of these types of conversations. Let us know who else you think we should talk to by commenting on our IG. And as always, ratings and reviews really help us. So if you enjoyed this, please take the time to do that. We are so appreciative of it. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.